Uh, we are going to be continuing our series in the book of Colossians. As you can see, the title on the screen for the series is Riches in Christ. And that is what we're going to be studying through. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to pick up where Pastor Ryan left off. And Colossians chapter 3, as you're turning there, I just want to remind you, is an encouragement from Paul, but definitely from Christ for us to continue to grow in our walk with the Lord. See, Paul is going to be focusing on a process, and that process is us as maturing Christians, but in Christ. And so there's going to be a lot of call to actions in this passage. There's going to be a lot of practical application, and it's going to be this, for you to actively get rid of the old you to put on the new you. So there is a lot of participation and responsibility that belongs to us. You see, the life that we live is that when we were given our hearts over to Christ, is Christ wasn't done. Christ has just begun. I want to give you like a picture of what this might look. I don't know if you guys ever watch any like demo reno shows or anything like that, but uh, we had the opportunity with our kids ministry to walk into our kids ministry hallway. Um, if you could put that picture up on the screen, that's our kids ministry hallway as it started. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go down there, but as you can see, it's a pretty nice uh, kids ministry hallway, but we sat there with our, with our youth leaders and our, our kids ministry director, and we said, how can we have this hallway serve its purpose? And so we came together with the idea that it needs to be focused on what the kids need to do, and that's step into their relationship with God or step into the mission. So what we started doing is we got to work, and things happened. So if you can put up the next picture, immediately we started sanding the walls, we started painting the walls, we pulled out furniture, and I want to give you, after much work, now mind you, this didn't happen in a day. It took a couple of weeks. I want you to see what the finished product looked like at the end. Right, right. As you can see, the title is, yes, to the one person who liked that, yes. Uh, <laughs> we are launching into God's mission, and that's what the kids said. So when the kids stepped into the hallway, they started to catch the vision. that This hallway was fine as it was before, but now it's serving a purpose, and it's edifying to what God has called us to do, and that's launch into God's mission, and they're getting inspired every day. And there's more to come, by the way. There's more to come into that room. But as you can see, there was a lot of changes. Carpet went on the floor, paint went on the wall, new lights, all kinds of new messages that were come. That is what we are supposed to do in Christ. We should be a work in progress. The key word being progress. So in your life in Christ, is the Lord uh, being allowed to come into your life and do its work? Let me give you a personal look of how that is for me. Now, this is anything that just jumps out from Scripture, but let me paint the picture of how I see my time with the Lord. Uh, just something that came up with during my time of prayer. I actually see my heart as a place of worship, much like the sanctuary, right? And so I would step into my heart and say, Lord, I want to worship you. I want to talk to you. I want to spend time with you. But as I would step into this space... I would notice all the other stuff that I have dragged into this space. My sin, my fear, my doubt, my disbelief, all these things, things that really don't actually help me in my relationship with God. And then in my prayer time, I would look up, and like I said, this is just a visualization for me. It's not anything special, but I see Jesus standing at the door, and I'm real embarrassed. I'm real embarrassed. It's like when somebody comes over your house and you're like, you haven't cleaned. You're like, whoa, 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 I'm not ready. I, you know, I got to wash the dishes. I got to put away the laundry. I, it's not meant for you to see that. But Jesus steps into the space and piece by piece, we clean the house of worship together until it's prepared for the Lord Almighty. That is how a maturing Christian looks at the situation. I'm doing the work to be renovated for the purpose of worship because I've been made for worship. This hallway has been made for worship. Your heart 
has been made for worship. You are to edify and glorify the Lord in his message through you. We're going to do something a little bit special as we dive into Colossians to exemplify that. I don't know if you've ever seen Forrest Gump or uh, Lawrence of Arabia. We're going to skip to the end. You know, Forrest is sitting on the, the bench. We're going to skip to the last verse. Go to verse 17 of our passage, Colossians 3.17. I'll put up on the screen for you as well. I want you to see the goal. This is where the renovation is supposed to take us. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want you to see the first two uh, sections of that verse. It says, in whatever you do, which is everything you do, right? Whether it's a word, so it's like something you said or something you did, a deed, an action, that covers everything. That you become the kind of person that every single one of it is clothed in the name of Jesus Christ. And you would be proud to put that stamp on it because why you are living through the giving of thanks to God the Father because you have God the Father through Jesus Christ. I want to remind you where Pastor Ryan took us last time. I don't remember. He was preparing the church of Colossae for the Colossians to get ready for the false gospel to come in with false teachers. He says, now that the church is established and it's growing, people are going to use this opportunity to bring in their own version of the gospel. And it's going to be wrong because there's only one true gospel. And his name is Jesus Christ. All false gospels will push you towards self-righteousness. And when Christ came to you, you realize that you were not measured up to the level of righteousness that the Lord had prepared for you. You actually needed to be God-righteous, but you couldn't earn that God-righteousness on your own. You needed Jesus Christ to come and give it to you. And did he give it richly and freely? Yes and amen. And so our entire life should be shaped to this. I'm getting rid of the self-righteousness and replacing it with God-righteousness. I need God's righteousness. Self-righteousness has no place in heaven. Self-righteousness has no place in the kingdom of God. And I just want to remind you uh, what we were talking about earlier in this chapter, or sorry, in this book. What is righteousness or righteous? We're going to put that on the screen for you. It says, righteousness or righteous is to be right with God. It's not perfection. It's not like you walk in here and you go like, yeah, I, I didn't do too good this week. I, I kind of like a C minus D plus Christian this week. That's not what matters. What matters is, are you pursuing the Christ that is pursuing you? Because you are supposed to be growing and maturing. You know, nobody walks into a karate dojo and like, I watched Karate Kid, where's my black belt? No, there's a process by which this takes place, a maturing process of learning what you need to do to walk into that. Now, God saw us, didn't he, and said, you are not right with me in your sin. So what did he do? He made a way. God took the first step while we were still sinners Christ died for us. So he made the first step towards us. And what did he do? He put Jesus on the cross to die for your sins. And then what did you do? You had the opportunity to receive or reject that. But now that you've received salvation and you've received grace from God, what is your job? To walk in it. To not go back to the worship inside of your heart with Jesus and drag more sin in there. You're supposed to be replacing what the old you brought in, get rid of it, and now bring in the new you, which should be more worship of the Lord, more maturing, more stepping out into that process. And so what we're going to have in this passage for Colossians 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 we're going to have three uh, sections where we talk about three different things that the Lord wants to do, but we have a lot of action commands. So I want you to notice the action commands. What is God, what is Paul asking you to do? What's your responsibility? I'm going to give you the three different sections we break it up in. We're going to decide what I want, 
The second section is to hate what Jesus hates. And then the third section is to put on more Jesus and grow into that calling. So join me in verse 1. And we're going to see how I need to decide what I want. Look at verse 3, or chapter, one, or chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So the first command set he's saying is saying, hey, since you've already been raised to the level of being at heaven, right? Like you've been raised to heavenly places. The next thing you should do is take ownership of that. I'm no longer an earthly person in that way. I'm a heavenly person. I need to set my mind on heavenly things. So there's three basic habits we want to see as growing Christians. The first is I have to decide to want what Jesus wants. That's a decision. That's not an impulse. That's not like a feeling like, ah, Jesus made me feel good today. I was listening to Z80.3 all day, and now I want what Jesus wants. No, it's a decision. Regardless of your life, regardless of the situation, a mature Christian goes, I know what Jesus wants, and I want that too. So this conversation is a, a conversation about transformation. I'm transforming my thoughts, right? So God raised us up to heavenly places. So guess where my thoughts are? Heavenly places. What does that mean? That means I don't trade or settle down with what the earth has to offer. I don't let the earth rob what the Lord wants to give me. Uh, so look at it, it says, since you were raised with Christ, now set. Ephesians chapter one would say it this way. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with how many spiritual blessings? Every spiritual blessing. You need to have a mind that's aimed as high as heaven. And I want you to give you a perspective of what he's saying in these two scriptures. Think of it this way. You're in heaven. You're walking on golden streets. You probably have some really nice golden sneakers on, right? Does anybody like those new ones, like the Hoka's or like Skechers or something? It's probably really cloud-like, right? Really gentle. You know snickerdoodle smell is just being pumped into heaven 24-7. <laughs> 72 degrees, not a sweat anywhere, right? It's just wonderful. And now imagine you're in paradise with God. How beautiful is that? And the Lord comes to you and says, I now I want to bless you. You think this is, a, we're just beginning. I want to bless you with every spiritual blessing that I can give you. What does that look like? That looks like the presence of God regardless of what your life started like. What is heaven without God? It's nothing. But imagine the God of heaven going, I want to wrap you up in every spiritual blessing that I can give you. Name a thing that Jesus has held back from you. Name one thing that the Lord, has he held back his love? Has he held back his forgiveness? If you ask for forgiveness right now, how quick do you have it? Immediately. You ask for his faith. You ask for his wisdom. Anything that you want from the Lord, he has not held back. He's pouring it out infinitely. In fact, it says in Ephesians that he richly, luxuriously pours it on you. And so what we're saying through these scriptures, I I saw this as a sign at Cracker Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel signs. It says, you can be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. That's true. But think about this. The inverse is not the same. You can be so heavenly minded, you're nothing but a blessing to the earth. How do we know that to be true? Look at the life of Jesus Christ. Who is more heavenly minded than Jesus Christ? Nobody. Who is a bigger blessing to the world than Jesus Christ? Nobody. That's what it is. Our treasure, our blessing, everything that we have is in Jesus Christ in heaven. And where does Jesus Christ in heaven live? 
also in our heart. And so that's what we treasure. We treasure the work that the Lord is already doing inside of us because it's preparing us for the eternity to be with him. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He, he puts it in such a great perspective for us. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, so that's desires for bad things, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. And like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. I love that end. Don't be satisfied with the world has you when God has so much more for you. You have so much more. Look at verse three. It kind of connects that for us. Verse three, four, you died. What did you die? What did you die to? You died to the mud pies you used to play in. The sinful life. Why? Because the Lord is preparing us for a vacation down by the ocean. Like this is, we're talking beachfront. And so what he's saying is you've been resurrected to better days because better days have already come to you. Heaven came to you. You didn't reach heaven. Can you reach up and reach heaven? No. Heaven had to reach down and come to you. And did Jesus Christ do that? Is he not now living in your heart? And so what we're actually doing is we're walking it out in this way. We're graduating. We're graduating from the old life and we're on to the new life, bigger and better things. Look at how Ephesians chapter two would say it. Look at, look at the middle of verse 12 on the screen. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's your portion. What's God's portion? For it is God who works in you to his will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What is God's good will and good purpose inside of you? It's to make you look like Jesus Christ. To make you become the blessings of heaven that work not only in you, but through you. That's how much of a blessing you are. You're like a fountain that is now full and now is overflowing. But you can't give what you don't have. And so what he's saying is you must decide to let the work of the Lord not only work into you, but pull you towards God's victory. You shouldn't be caught up in anything that is earthly. You should, earth should not have a higher place in your mind than Jesus Christ in heaven. It should be the other way around. And so we talk about this word reformation sometimes. Reformation sometimes gets a, a bad spin in some circles, but I'm being reformed because you know what? My tastes have been higher. I, my taste has been raised to the level of heaven. So I'm not playing with mud pies anymore. I'm going somewhere else. And so I must receive the salvation and grace that God has given us on the cross. But guess what? Now that I've received it, I should work really, really hard to not sully it in this way. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I make mistakes. But remember that house of worship. I shouldn't drag any more sin back in to the work that the Lord has already done, right? It's kind of like when a, when a doctor gives you a prescription. Doctor comes to you and says, here's the prescription. Do this and you'll be healthy and you'll be well. Well, what if I don't? Good luck. You're on your own. Every day we should be doing that. What has Christ prescribed for the healthiness and the wellness of my Christian life today? What should I be working on? It's like gardening, right? Like you, there's a prescription. You, you don't just walk into a garden and just hope it gets better. You, you take out bad things and you plant good things, right? You're not, it's not just magically gonna grow. You have to work. So with that said, if you are in this room, because you could say, oh, Joey, this all sells, sounds like all well and good. Like I, I want what God wants, I love what God loves. I'm just not good at achieving it. I fail. Sometimes my impulse is sometimes I make a mistake. Sometimes, you know, I just get upset and I just make a mistake and I hope to do better things, but I, I, I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling with temptation and I'm losing that fight. 
Well, I want to let you know what the Lord is saying here. I want to let you know what Paul's saying. He's saying, stop. Just take a moment and just stop. Stop everything. Stop worrying about sin and stop worrying about what you could be and just meditate on this. What has God already done in your life? How much work has he already done? Think about this. It's like, yes, I, I am a believer. I've given my heart. I've confessed Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to heaven, but I'm also continuing in sin. Well, stop. If, if he could raise you back to life, if he could snatch you out of the jaws of hell, can he release you out off of this sin, off of this bad habit? Can he restore your marriage? Can he lift up that relationship where it's just falling apart and maybe it's your fault? Can he come in and do the work? Yes, because if he can do salvation, he can also do this. Let him have complete sovereign rule and authority that he's already given you from the point of the cross, from the empty tomb, from the point of resurrection. And look what it is he says at the very end of verse four. Look at the attention. When Christ, who is your life, my whole life is caught up in Christ because apart from him, I have no spiritual life. I have no eternity. So what it says, well, who is your life appears, then also will appear, you will appear with him in glory. I want you to see what that, what that sentence really means. The moment that you confess Christ at the cross is the moment that you said this, I'm not good enough to get to heaven on my own. Not only that, I'm not even good enough to be in the presence of God. I need God to pour his righteousness in me so that I can even, even hope to bow down in the presence of God. And yet the Lord has said this to you in return. Let me tell you here the Lord's response to you. Uh, yeah, by the way, I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing. I've seated you in the, in the heavenly places, and now I am hiding you your entire life inside of me. I am richly dwelling. Where you are at, I'm dwelling, because I want to come in and do the work with you. We are already receiving the glory because we're being prepared for glory by his authority. So when I walk into my heart and I don't like what I see, I go, okay, Lord, let's, let's us get to work. Lord, let's kick out what drives you away. Let's, let's break away from the things that break your heart. Lord, with the things that grieve you, let's end because I want this house to be a house of worship. I want this temple to be something that brings you glory because you know what? His glory has already come. You're not going to hell. You're not condemned by your sin because the glory of the Lord has ruled and reigned. So if you're in this room and you've had a tough time setting your mind on heavenly things, let's stop and pray right now. And let's make a declaration, not only to our soul, but to Jesus. Lord, I need your help. Let's, let's move my mind and my heart to you. So bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you're a good God. I thank you and I praise you that you give good things, that all good things come down from the Father of lights. And right now I have a struggle with always giving you the surrender that I need. I have a hard time keeping my mind on you. I have a hard time giving my heart to you. But today I'm doing that. I want to become absorbed and captivated by all the good things that you have. And so I'm going to follow you into victory. I hear your voice. I hear what your commands are. And I trust you. And I say this, my heart and my mind belong to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Okay, so that's the first level of our participation. Let's look at the next level of our participation. And I call this section, Hating What Jesus Hates. Look at verse five. I want to show you how much Jesus hates this. Put to death. That's how much he hates sin. Look at this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So what is your action command here? 
put to death sin. I like the way the Greek says, take whatever it is and make it dead. Just make it dead. So the first note of necessity is here is that there are earthly things that are good, but they are not to take the place of the Lord. Because you see it says, which is idolatry. Some of these things in our life can be good. Let me just put in this perspective. We're all adults here. We can talk about it. There isn't 8 billion people in the planet because sex is terrible. Let's just be real. Sex is great. God invented it. But could you allow your flesh to put sex as an idol over what God wants? The moment that you don't follow God's plan for this, you have said to the Lord, my plan is better than yours. I make a better God than you. And that's why he's picking on it right here. Your lust, your evil desires, your greed, all of that is you standing before the Lord and saying, I do better than you. That's you as an idol. And the Lord is saying, we must put that to death. So the second thing we must do is our three basic habits of growing Christians is we must kill sin. We must kill sin. I like how Galatians 5.4 puts it. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I don't know if you've ever seen The Passion of Christ. Has anyone ever seen this movie? I mean, is it hard not to watch the actual brutalization of Christ on the way to the cross, let alone the cross? And look at the language that Paul uses. Those who belong to Christ, what have they done? They have crucified the desires and passions that would drag you away in the flesh away from the Lord. I mean, that just can't be any more plain, can it? And so we have, a, we have a major word in Christianity that pops up a lot. It's called discipleship, right? And that is the root word of that is discipline, right? Discipline. That's a, that's a heavy word to listen to because we know what discipline requires. Discipline requires sacrifice, right? Anybody who's ever been an artist takes a lot of time and sacrifice to get you know, drawing a hand right or getting an apple right. You don't just wake up and do like, like I say, you don't wake up and, hey, I saw a karate kid. Give me my black belt. You know, like, you know, you don't walk into the dojo and say that to the sensei. He's just going to laugh in your face, right? Because there's a lot more work to do. Same thing for us. Pray for us. We have drums in our house and instruments. And we have two little boys. They have not walked in the discipline yet. You know, some people say, give kids 10,000 hours and they'll master something. We'll pray for the parents for the first 9,000 hours, okay? But you know what discipline is? It's the foundation of happiness and success and love looking at the long term. I'll sacrifice now for what is greater later. And I just want to let you know, the Lord has looked at you and said, I have delivered you to salvation. I've delivered you to eternal life, but I've also delivered you from eternal death. Don't return to it. I hate it. How much did God hate your sin? Look at Jesus on the cross. Because your sin is this. Your sin is separation from God. It's not just like, don't put your hand in the cookie jar before dinner because I told you not to and you got a slap on the hand because you broke the rules. No, sin is separation from God. And God hates being separated you to the point that he put Jesus Christ on the cross. How much more should we be serious about crucifying our sin on the cross every day? Daily, we should take up our cross. The moment that we sin in the face of God, knowing what Christ went through, is the day that we mock and belittle the work that Christ did on the cross for us. That's why I love this statement and I put in my devote so I don't ever fall into this. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Our discipline is the foundation of love by following through, by believing that the work of God has been already made complete on the cross, so that's what I'm pursuing. I don't have to return to my sin. I don't want to return to my sin. In fact, this is where I'm at in this thing. I don't want to be a part of the, the life that is, uh, think about this, I'm either eradicating sin with God 
or I'm adding sin and putting Jesus Christ back on the cross. Like that's the perspective that we're taking here. I love how I had this conversation with somebody in counseling because we were talking about the wrath of God. And if you look at the end of that verse right there, six, it says the wrath of God is coming. This is why we should be so serious about it. I said, you know, if you, don't, if you keep continuing down the path, you'll be subject to the wrath of God. And he was like, you mean like Old Testament wrath of God? Isn't that like, isn't that reserved for Philistines? I was like, no, 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 buddy. That's anybody who rejects the Lord because outright you have become the sin that you said that you don't love, right? And so what are you saying? Skip to the end of the Bible. What is the book of Revelation? The most severe wrath is preserved for the end because God is no longer allowing the separation of mankind between him and himself and his righteousness. So he offers Jesus Christ to a point and then there'll be no more time. And so that's what he's saying here. The solution should be this. We must make be a people who are led by the spirit, not led by the flesh. Look how Colossians chapter two had said this previously. This is talking about our spiritual healing from sin. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. So that was by the spirit. The spirit came in your heart and performed a circumcision. Look what it says. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So from the onset, the Lord has come into you to cut away the side of you that was led by your flesh, your impulses, to say, you know what? Here's salvation. Now grow into it. Become a mature Christian. Look at the long term. Would you trade all of the beach for the mud pies of the slum? No, he's saying walk towards this. You cannot do this in your own power, however. You want to show up in your heart and start removing what's not necessary, but you have to trust the Spirit. You know why? Because flesh cannot beat the flesh. Otherwise, we wouldn't have needed a Savior. And that's what we're dealing with right here. I choose to worship the Lord, and my worship is following His voice. We should not be ashamed because the King of Heaven already bore our shame and guilt on the cross. So when He shows up to come into our heart and do the work and go, yeah, all of this has got to go. Have you ever seen the show Hoarders? You, they, these people, like, they go into the house. I can't help myself. My wife's like, turn it off. It's enough. I'm like, it's just crazy how much they store. But these people come in, and, and the work is in the person's heart, not in just getting the garbage out, because they're clinging on to stuff. They're like receipts from 1982 from Kmart. That store's not even open anymore. Why are you holding on to this? It's not even necessary. Let it go. Well, who is a Christian holding on to the past that doesn't even belong in heaven? Let it go. And my worship is I will... Worship the Lord by listening to him. The Lord says it this way. You will either drink a cup of demons or a cup of Christ. You're going to worship something. You better choose Jesus Christ. And that's what the call is. Right? I said, I saw my worship is I let you direct me. Look at how he continues. Look at verse 7. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So that's the old you. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. What is the next action command? He says, rid yourself. Let me give you a, a modern translation. Take, it, take the trash out. That's what this is like. Get rid of it. Kick it to the curb. Did anybody walk in here as a good Christian with old bad habits? Please don't let me be the only one with my hand raised. Because <laughs> you guys come up here and preach. That's what he's saying. I need to, those old bad habits are places where I allow the idol of me to be comfortable with the problem of me, where Christ is coming in to do the work. And you know what? We have to start, stop listening to us as an authority, start listening to the king of heaven as an authority. And so what we're doing is that we're bringing the old us to Christ and laying it at his feet, but we have to follow, follow his voice. 
We have to trust him. We have to let the enemy be destroyed. We, you know, think about this. The same Christ that was buried in the tomb and has been raised to life is the same Jesus Christ that lives in your heart. So that's by the power which you reform your voice. Think about this. My, my breath has been blessed by God. How dare I use it to curse? So what do I do? I go to, if I, so that you, you just left church, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know, you're still singing the songs, right? You're excited. You're probably going to go out to eat. You're high-fiving everybody in the car because you can't wait. And then that guy cuts you off, and then the words start coming out, right? And you're like, how can this be? I just came from church. You go, you know what? I'm going to stop, and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to kill this sin. Sin, you don't belong here. You're dead. I, I focus on Jesus Christ. And that's what he's saying. Renew your speech by the power of the Lord. Look at continued renewal. Look at verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. So what's our next action command? Put on the new self. You have to physically and spiritually and mentally and emotionally sometime look in the mirror and go, not today. <laughs> Joey, you don't get to rule today. I take me off and I put Jesus on. And you might have a day that starts like that. You might wake up in the morning and go, oh, it's going to be a doozy already, right? You know, like I can tell, but, you know, they used to make a joke, the kick the cat kind of moment, you know, like, or I hope the kids don't say something dumb the first thing in the morning. No, you have to take that old you and put it aside and put on what? Jesus Christ. And I, I just say that that was an identity change that you already agreed to the moment you stepped to the cross because what did you do? You said, I am not righteous enough on my own. I need your righteousness. So what you have said is, I need a makeover, Jesus. I want that makeover. You ever seen those talk shows? My, my wife loves watching all these things where like, you know, this wife is like, oh, can you work on my husband? I mean, she, he just doesn't get it. And he walks out and you're like, it's going to take a miracle. Uh, he's got hair everywhere. He's got a beard. There's a bird living in the beard. There's like pizza stains on a sweatshirt from 1983 that he's never given up. It's his favorite. So, you know, uh, he's got crazy sandals that are falling apart. And she's like, do something with my husband. Well, apparently he's agreed to it because he's on the show. But you look at it, you're like, there's no way. There's no way. They have to be magic workers. Of course, they take him to the back. They send him through a car wash, right? They comb his hair. They cut his beard. And they put him in a three-piece suit. And what always happens? He walks out, right? And what's the wife start doing? She just starts bawling. Oh, all these years, this is what was underneath. And then what does she say? I don't even recognize you. I don't even recognize you. Now, let me show you what he does. He's a whole different man too, right? What does he walk out? He's in a three-piece. Before, he was slumped over with a slurpee machine, you know, like whatever. Well, he comes out of three-piece and he's like, hey, 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 you do it like that. It's a whole new man, right? Because when he saw what he saw in the mirror, he started to believe. And what did the belief do? The action followed through. His faith became action. He walked out in a different posture, a new man. Who are we as Christians to not be that same way when we look in the mirror and see Jesus Christ? We should be the people that say, I don't even recognize the old you. I only see the new you. I've been made over. I've been handed over to the new me. That's why I love looking at the rest of the work of the Spirit in the book of Joshua that we went through on Wednesdays. How many times did these, uh, these guys go towards a city and they're like, okay, I don't know how we're going to defeat the city. And the Lord's like, well, you're going to rest in me. You're going to let me do the work. Well, what do you want us to do, Lord? Spears, swords, you want us to throw rocks? No, I want you to walk around it seven times and I want you to worship me because the power of the Lord and the authority of the Lord has fallen on you. The real victory is what I have done inside of you, not what I've done around you. 
There's a new you. You walked out of Egypt slaves. You walked into the promised land, kings and queens of the most high. Why? Because you're now operating in the authority that the Lord has given you. So it's not a promised land that was won by might. It was a promised land that has been won by resting in Jesus Christ. And I want you to see how he lays that out to level the playing field in verse 11. He says, here there is no Gentile or Jew. And he says, there's no circumcised or uncircumcised. He's talking about physical circumcision. He says, there's no barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You know what he's saying here? It actually says in other scriptures, there's not even man or woman. He's just leveling the playing field. What he's saying is, there's no place for racism. There's no place for sexism. There's no place for division in the, in the body of Christ because we are all unified to the most high. There's no such thing as a second-class Christian. We've all been made new uh, before the Lord. There is no distinctions. I was making a joke in between services. I got some groans. I said, I can't believe when I read this scripture that one day I will be worshiping in heaven next to a New York Jets fan that's a Dolphin fan. Can't believe it. They let them into heaven. But the truth is, I know. Sorry if there's any Jets fans in the crowd. I had to. I had to. It's, it's football Sunday. But understand that God doesn't look at those external things. God is concerned with something greater. He's concerned with your heart. He's concerned with the renovation and the condition of your heart. And so just so you know that when we walked in here today, you had a divine appointment. We're going to pray for delivery from the sins that you think that rule you and separate you from God. So we're going to pray right now. So if you guys can, bow your heads and close your eyes. We've heard some specific sins in the scripture, Lord. Impure thoughts, lust, sexual immorality, rage, malice, lying. If there's anybody here that needs a makeover, needs that renovation from the Lord, let them just specifically say to you what they're dealing with. Lord, we don't need to know, but Lord, you already know there's no secret sin in this room. So if there's anybody that's struggling, struggling with relationships, struggling with what they say, struggling with what they look at, if they need to go home and throw stuff out or delete or get rid of, Lord, empower them to do that. That same work of salvation will carry them to go home and get rid of the sin. They are now free. They are free to not go return to that sin. You have a better plan. We get rid of the mud pies and we replace it with what you have for us in heaven. We will not settle. We will kill sin. We hate what you hate and we love what you love. And so today we declare to our soul and we declare to you, Jesus, we are dead to sin but alive to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the second or the third part uh, that we were going into is growing into our calling. I want you to see the dress code that is required to walk as we walk with the Lord. Look at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So bad habits are really hard to get rid of. We've said that already. Part of the reasons that we have a hard time getting rid of bad habits is because we're comfortable with them. Far more comfortable than Jesus is with them. We have sin in our life because we don't have a problem with that sin. But remember Jesus Christ walking into that sanctuary of your heart. Is he comfortable with it? 
And so what you want to do is have this mindset that I want to love what God loves. I want to kill my sin. But this is what the growth and maturity of Christ comes. You own it by clothing yourself in what God wants you to be clothed in. So the third basic habit of a growing Christian is to grow into the calling of Christ day by day. Day by day, we are growing into our habit. Now, the reason I put day by day is I want you to understand you didn't walk in perfected. You walked in filled with Christ. That's what matters. If you're here and you failed, and I'm just letting you know I have my own set of failures, I didn't walk in here defeated. I walked in here victorious in Christ because that sin does not owe me. I've given it to the Lord and I have been set free. Now what I need to do after that is to dress up by clothing myself in all of those things. I, I, I had an awesome time in a Bible study with this person. They were 88 years old, and they put their hand on my shoulder after the Bible study. And they go, I feel like I've matured so much today. And I went, oh, that's great. I'm glad that you had to go out of it. And they said, you're never too old to grow up. That, that, that line stuck in my head. I was like, I, I, I don't have to look at my life and go, I should be here by now. It doesn't matter. I should be where Christ has me right now. So don't look around. Look at Christ. See where he's taking you. See where he's guiding you. And know that you're walking in the victory day by day. Second Corinthians would say, from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. Don't worry about where you're at right now. Be worried about where Christ is taking you. Don't look back. Look forward and move with him. And knowing that you are being faithful to the God that's being faithful to you by putting on that walk every day. Let's think about this. The maturity, what does that look like? I'm, I might not be perfect at it, but I'm walking in compassion. I'm walking in kindness. I'm walking in humility and gentleness and patience. That is the uniform of a Christian. And I wanted to say this. If you're not walking in the character of Christ, what are you? You're a Christian that's out of uniform. It's time to go back. All you have to do is stop. If you catch yourself out of uniform, Catch yourself and go back. Make the decision to actively put on Christ daily and have, you know, the Greek is closer to putting on, putting on more compassion, putting on more kindness, more humility. When that person just drives you nuts, maybe it might be at Thanksgiving and you want to throw that plate of food right at their head, right? You know, we don't, no, 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 no. I'm practicing by putting on more gentleness and more kindness. You know why? Because I'm not a Christian out of uniform. It doesn't mean that it doesn't drive you nuts. This is the action of maturity. I'm set to walk in this way because you know what the Lord is saying in the scripture? Your flesh has impulses. We get it. Your flesh is what dragged you to sin in the first place, but your spirit has the Lord. Your spirit has the Lord. So our faith is guided in action because we believe that the work that the Lord has started is being carried out. Day by day, there's renovations happening in my heart. I want to give you like a look of that where he says, uh, when it, to forgive people like Christ has forgiven you. Think about this. Remember what he said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Imagine being an all-powerful, all-omniscient person who's being nailed to the cross and you're suffering for the very people that are sinning against you, rejecting you, throwing jokes and mocking at you, and then having it within you to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if that same Jesus Christ can live in your heart, could you also not bring that same kind of forgiveness to somebody for not a lifetime of mistakes, maybe one mistake, maybe one failure, maybe one grievance. And what it's saying right here is that it's not that I'm, 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 I'm not going to hurt. People are going to hurt me. I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm no longer clothed in pain and bitterness. I'm clothed in the forgiveness of the Lord that unites me to God. And so if I'm in unity with God, I can be unity with everybody else, right? Look at how the Paul connects it. As I put on that, that, that cloak of the Lord, verse 15, 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful, and let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so what he's saying is that no matter what I'm doing, people are going to fail me. Situations are going to be stinky. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. That's where my hope is. That's where my faith is. And I trust not the situation. I trust the God of my situation. Look at that word it says after verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That that word's closer to govern. If you had to make a decision, punch this guy in the face or not punch this guy in the face, let's go to the referee named Jesus. Jesus, what would you say? He would say, bring peace. Because I died on the cross and I forgave you for a life of sin. Can you forgive them for this? I set you free from your debt. Will you forgive your debtors? Will you just do the thing that I've asked you to do? And you say, yes. I'm not going to be ruled by my emotions. I'm not going to be ruled by my mistakes. I'm going to be ruled by the Prince of Peace. That's how I designed my life. And so then what comes out of it? Now all of a sudden you're richly dwelling in this beautiful grace and you're teaching and you're warning people and there's wisdom and there's word and there's thanksgiving. You know what all of that is? That is the fruit of the tree of discipline. The, tr- the, the sacrifice that you give Jesus Christ and what bursts forth out of it, as you walk in unity with him, you're now unity more with other people and you're walking in word and worship. That's the fruit that's coming out of you. And so that's what we're walking and talking into right now. So if you are in a place in your life where things are falling apart, you might want to check your heart. Am I in unity and harmony with God first before I need to worry about anything else? Because you need to be in unity with the God of the universe before you can worry about your circumstances getting right. And that's what he's saying here. We as a church, we are being a people that are built into a whole new family with a whole new set of habits. We need each other. We need Christ first, but we need each other. And unity is harmony. And if we're going to grow, we're going to need each other. I had a friend who came to me after we went through COVID, right? And he was just so blown away by this Bible study. He was in tears. And I said, what's going on, bro? Like, it's Genesis 1-1. Why are you crying? And he said, I was like kind of blown away. He said, well, because when we were in COVID and we were far away from each other, I wasn't near all of you guys. But the moment that I've walked in here, I've been edified. I've been encouraged. I've also been inspired and convicted. My speech wasn't where it was needed to be. And my, my hope wasn't where it needed to be. And my faith wasn't as high as other people. And I'm looking at you and I see the, the faith of Jesus Christ in you and you. It edified me, made me want to reach higher. And I realized I'm a child of God. I'm not alone. I'm not far away. I'm in unity with God. And God has called me to the family. I'm called to more. That's why we step into this place. We are called to do life together. It's essential for our health as a family, but we're going to need each other. Look what it says. We need to be a family. Look where we ended, is where we started. We need to all look like this. We need to offer something different that the world doesn't have. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your experience. It matters where you end. And if we end in Jesus Christ, we have ended well. So if you believe that God is beginning to do that renovation in you and you need to follow forward, first we must decide to love what God loves. We need to hate what God hates. And we need to put on more of the character of Christ. And I want to challenge you. Can you put the stamp on this? I do everything that I do in the name of God because I continue to let him do the renovations in my heart and daily I put on the uniform. We're going to end there, but I want you to pray with me. If there is somebody in this room who has walked through this teaching, 
And they have not been free to give thanks to the Lord because they don't have it in them. They have not been free to worship the Lord because they haven't been free to know the Lord because they've been maybe separated from Christ. We're going to pray right now that you receive that freedom and you can walk in the clothing of Jesus Christ. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, I just pray right now that you are king of heaven and that you rule and reign in my life. And Lord, that you have all power and authority in me because I surrender my life to you. I want to worship you. I want to be full of thanks. But I haven't given you that full like, rule and reign in my heart to do so. I have hidden sin. I've declared that dead in my life. I love what you love. I want to pursue what you want to pursue. And I want to walk with you from here to eternity. I want to be free to worship. So open up in my heart a worship. Open up in my heart a gratitude and a thanksgiving. I'm a blood-bought child of God. I am sealed in the Holy Spirit. My life belongs to you. I give you everything because you gave me everything. And with my breath that you've even blessed me with right now, I bless you with this. You are the Lord of the Most High and you rule and reign in my heart. And my heart now belongs to you. Get rid of it, clear it out. I do the work with you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.